You know, Brittany, nothing gives me naked confidence like hitting the gym first thing in the morning. The rush, the endorphins, it just sets the tone for the entire day. Ooh, I like that. Naked confidence. Yeah. It's all about the perfect playlist for me. The right music can uplift my mood instantly. Mm, you know what a close second is for me? What's that? Not stinking. <laughs> That's why I use Lumi Whole Body Deodorant. It's like a secret weapon against odor powered by mandelic acid. Yeah, you're odor-free for up to 72 hours. I love how Lumi tackles every odor concern with natural ingredients, and I appreciate its versatility. I tried it everywhere, from pits to feet. It never disappoints. Plus, it's baking soda-free and pH balanced for safe use. And the fact that it's clinically proven to block odor all day, well, that's a game changer. Definitely. And with Lumi Starter Pack, new customers can get $5 off with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. It's a great deal for a fresh start. Don't miss out on feeling confident everywhere you go. Visit lumideodorant.com and use code TLC for a special discount. That's L-U-M-E deodorant.com. Cheers to confidence with Lumi. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to the Laughing Couple Podcast with your hosts, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. Join them weekly as they discuss topics such as relationships, kids, sex, parenting, all unfiltered and all with a healthy dose of laughter. Please welcome your hosts, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. Okay, so like we said before, we have got Matthew Frey here or Matt. He's uh, given us permission to call him by Matt. So we we'll feel... start with Matthew. Well, I also super feel like... formal. And then when we get to know him a little bit better, he'll. He'll allow us to call he'll, him Matt. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he'll feel more comfortable with okay. Matt. Okay. Matthew, how are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me. For sure. Uh, we've done a little bit of an intro for you um, before, which you'll hear after the episode. But do you want to just like give us a, a rundown about who you are, what's going on in your life, and then we'll get into this awesome thing called your new book. Well, it's yeah, not called you so your much. new book. No. You know what I mean. <laughs> yes. That's not the title. Could you imagine? I'm best-selling author. What's your book? It's called My New Book. <laughs> that would be kind of good. It's witty. It's actually maybe, a marketing genius. Maybe for the second one. If yeah, I, I'm so go. lucky. All right. So my name is Matthew Frey. I work as a relationship coach and writer. I've been blogging for about nine years. This started in like an, I'm a, I, I describe myself as like an accidental self-help guy. Mm. Um, what happened was I was really bad at marriage. My wife left. I was miserable. I blamed her. I didn't understand like anything about relationship dynamics mm -hmm. and didn't take any personal responsibility. I started writing about it. And in the process of writing about it, it was like inadvertent therapy because I was doing homework and I was reading and I was mm -hmm. conversing with a live audience, even though I didn't think anybody was going to read it. Turns out people did. And I very slowly over the first few years, April 1st, 2013 is when my relationship ended. I think I started blogging in the summer, mm -hmm. June or July, 2013. And, you know, by the middle of 2014, it was, it was, it was a thing. Yeah. It was like people were paying attention and I was getting regular traffic and 
I developed very quickly the sense of purpose that I thought I was going to write a bunch of like jokey journal type entries about being like a bumbling, dysfunctional, divorced, single dad. Just this kind of like it was going to be funny, but in like a sardonic way. Yeah. But I, I very quickly embraced. You know, I can do something that matters here because a lot of people are reaching out and saying, Matt, the things you're talking about sound exactly like the things that we deal with at home. Right. And we both had the like, wow, somebody gets me. I'm not alone experience. Mm-hmm. And I took that and ran with it because I really needed some meaning and purpose in my life at the time. And anyway, that grew organically. Yes. Fast forward to the beginning of the pandemic, the New York Times ran a feature out about me. And then I, I sort of hit a new level yeah. of like popularity, air yes. quotes. I read... Um... I think it was one, like, I think it was one of your maybe original articles or one that blew up that was like, I got divorced because I didn't put the dishes away that were on the side of the sink. It was, is, correct me if I'm wrong, but was that one it of your like... titled, she divorced me because I left dishes by the sink, but right. we can, can just you? call it the dishes post. Yeah. Can it's the one, if anybody's heard of me before, that's why. Amazing. Can you give us like a rundown of what that one entailed? Because I feel like the title alone, I feel like will relate to not, maybe not as dramatic as like divorce, but I know a lot of couples and personally, we are very with like the dishes. We are combative in that sense, but we come up, we have a a system. Yeah. We got a system. Like I don't do it. She gets mad at me for not doing it. That's the system. system. (laughs) It's a, it's a, it's a perpetuating issue for us. Um, so I'm very interested. To, I'm very Ooh. interested to hear what uh, what you have to say. Give us that. the Cole's notes. It's funny. So I'd already written about the concept a number of times leading up to this particular article, but something I think about that headline grabs people. Yeah. Um, the the story is in my real life, I would put like a glass by the sink, like something that I'd like drink water out of it, take like vitamins in the morning. Hmm. And, you know, I use like a drinking glass instead of like, you know, using like a Brita pitcher or opening a bottle of water. I just quickly put like tap water in it and just do this. And I'd set it there because it was water. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a soft drink or milk or beer or anything like that. I just thought it was fine. And then we would have a debate about it. And I thought, she shouldn't be giving me crap about setting this water glass by the sink. And I wanted my opinion to like matter as much as hers. I thought she was like trying to mom me. Right. And I, I don't think about that like that even kind of anymore. Yeah. And so the, to me, the lesson from this idea of she divorced me because I left dishes by the sink, you can insert any minuscule thing right. that ails a couple. That would be laundry for us. Laundry mainly. on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Laundry on the floor, toilet seat up, toothpaste spittle on the sink or in the bath and like the sink, um, excuse me, the mirror or like the sink basin, mm-hmm. like literally anything that frustrates, annoys, upsets right. the other person. Um, you know, there's a, there's a line somewhere yeah. where it's like, it's just two people disagreeing about something. Right. But in my life, what I'd done is I'd left a trail of evidence over the course of many years that I either knew how my wife would feel about something that I did or didn't do, piece of laundry on a on the bedroom furniture, this 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 glass by the sink. And I didn't care. Yeah. That was one possibility. And the other possibility, which was the most true, and what I strongly believe ails most relationships, is the idea that I didn't even 
think about her at all. I, I took no time in my daily actions, habits, decision-making process to on purpose, intentionally consider how my wife would experience what I was saying or doing. Mm -hmm. This absent consideration, this that I'm not thought about, that I'm not included, that I'm forgotten, that I'm invisible, that I don't matter, that that really begins to erode trust in relationships in this really nuanced, paper cut, slow decay way. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's this really dangerous way in which good people inadvertently harm their partners and their relationships. And it can ultimately lead to the end of a relationship after 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. It's funny, so Matthew, I've, ne I've never heard it actually articulated that way before. And we argue about this, but we don't argue about this. It's more like a, and I'll play, I'll play the card. It's more of me not really getting what you just described in the fact that my wife will say, well, why are you leaving this pile of laundry in our room? And my answer is, I don't, I don't even think about it. Like my, the laundry in the bot in the corner of our room isn't even a thought for me. And so I'm sitting here thinking like, how can you make me wrong for something that I don't even think about? But what I didn't realize and what you just alluded to was that it gives her the idea that I don't think about her. Especially if you know that my, like I'm constantly like, this is in my space. I only see that. Also, we're, Matthew's going to charge us after because this is like a small therapy yeah. session. <laughs> no, but that's no, that's, but that's what I'm hearing. And correct me if I'm wrong. It's it, the experience for Brittany. It leaves her like, okay, I get it. You don't think about it. Cool. But that also means you don't think about me. It's invalidating. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I would never dare speak for Brittany. But but <laughs> when I think man. when I think of like the generic couple that I don't know, but that is sort of like the statistical norm in my world. It's it's that dynamic that that erodes the, the the feelings of safety and trust and relationship. And it's not it's not I don't trust you. You're a liar or you're a threat to betray me and mm -hmm. our relationship in like you know some really dramatic ways. It's 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 more trust in the context of like reliability and consistency. Mm -hmm. It's I want to be able to count on you, and I want to trust that five years from now, 10 years from now, I don't have to constantly be compromising my personal values in order to exist in this relationship mm -hmm. because I'm seen and loved and respected and cared for. Mm -hmm. And in my, in my opinion, forgive me, it's, I believe men are, are most often the culprits in this. I also want to defend us. I don't think that we're bad. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you go do this, like this is not evil behavior. This is, this is benign in the vast majority of our relationships, certainly out in the professional world or with our friends, maybe with our families of origin. Things like this do not affect safety and trust in those relationships. I just want people to, to, to think about their relationship as something in which trust is a necessary ingredient for both people to think of it as a safe, reliable, consistent thing that's going to be there tomorrow and next month and next year and 10 years from now. Because when that condition exists, you can withstand everything. Mm -hmm. When that condition doesn't exist, suddenly outside forces, tr traumas, you know, financial hardship, sickness, deaths of close loved ones, those will, will impact in a very harmful way. Mm -hmm. A relationship that's absent, this confidence that it's going to be here always. Yeah, and we do it in cool. these, we do it with toothpaste and dishes and laundry. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just so think that's a tragic story. 
Guys, have you tried the new wellness shots from Good Vibes Juice? We have, and they're amazing. Perfect for boosting immunity and feeling great. Good Vibes Juice makes all-natural wellness shots with ingredients that support your immune system. And they honestly taste good. Plus, they're great to have before you feel sick or even to help you recover faster. It's like having Granny's homemade remedy, but conveniently pre-made. They have three different shots to choose from. Sick Day, Get Well, and Turmeric Daily. The Sick Day shot has echinacea and ginger, known for fighting off colds and boosting immunity. The Get Well shots feature elderberry, a superfood ingredient that helps increase immunity, and the Turmeric Daily has turmeric and chamomile. My personal favorite is the Turmeric Daily. It has turmeric and chamomile, which for me, having recently turned 40, is great for anti-inflammatory and calming properties. What's great is that these shots are all natural with no preservatives or additives. You can take them as a shot or mix them with hot water for soothing tea. And here's the best part. Visit good vibes with an S juice.com and use promo code TLC to get free shipping and 20% off your first order. That's www.goodvibesjuice.com with promo code TLC. Let's boost our immunity and feel great with good vibes juice. Shout out to Claritin for providing samples and sponsoring this episode. Full disclosure, I was listening to you talk the other day and I was thinking to myself, why does he sound that way? And then I remembered that it's allergy season and that's just your voice because you're so stuffed up. Ah, yes, the old allergy congested accent. Luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Claritin D's fast symptom relief starts working on allergies with nasal congestion in as little as 30 minutes. Oh, perfect. So I won't have to listen to you speak like this for the next few weeks. What? You're not into it? It's not uh, not endearing? No comment. Designed for serious allergy sufferers like Ryan. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieves your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. Claritin D tackles nasal congestion caused by allergies or a cold and also relieves sinus congestion and pressure due to allergies. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. So convenient. Just ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. And remember, only use as directed. Hey, Ryan. Yes? You stink. Um, okay. I stink too, don't worry. Everyone actually stinks, and it's normal to have body odor, just in case you needed a reminder. Okay, thank you for that. But the best part is, you don't have to stink. <laughs> just try Lumi whole body deodorant. You're right. And Lumi's powered by mandelic acid, tackling odor for 72 hours from pits, to feet, even private areas. It's incredible. Over 300,000 five-star reviews, and you can literally use it everywhere. And the scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, or my personal favorite, toasted coconut, make it refreshing. Plus, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that's over 40% off. Stay confident from head to toe with Lumi. Try it with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. That's code TLC at L-U-M-E-D-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. Stay fresh, everyone. So you really, you're, what, you're, what you're saying is you're really building the muscle of trust with the little nuances every single day. So that when something big does happen, you're already prepared to be there for your partner and they know you're going to be there for them. Like I'm hearing this is like practice makes perfect, right? This is, 
And I used to always say that practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes you perfect for the moment that you have to be perfect. And what you're, what you're describing here is, is building that trust and building that muscle of trust so that when trust is actually needed, your partner knows that you can rely on them. Is that what you're saying? I, I think so. And I would even gently challenge what you just said, because I think our spouses are more forgiving than that. Mm-hmm. I think we can fail in a moment and it won't destroy trust in the relationship if the conversation we have afterward repairs whatever mm-hmm. just happened. But we usually follow up a moment of trust betrayal, even if it's something like laundry and dishes, with a conversation that does not result mm-hmm. in our partner feeling seen, heard, validated, understood. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I hyper-focus on two habits in the relationship. And we've been talking about this idea of consideration that I'm remembering to include how she or he will experience whatever I'm doing or not doing, whatever I'm saying or not saying. But I think that the habit we have that erodes trust by volume at the highest like amount, the most frequency, is we have a nasty habit of invalidating people when we disagree with them. Mm. When we just disagree. Like you disagree that Brittany should feel a certain way about that laundry, perhaps. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you literally think that, but but maybe when like Brittany says something about it, you perceive it to be an overreaction mm. that she's making a big deal out of something that isn't a big deal Mm -hmm. akin to how I felt about my wife in this, this glass by the sink. And it's, it's not about the merits of the glass or the laundry. It's about the experience our partners have that they're seen and loved and understood and respected. It's just, if we don't have safety and trust in our relationships, we don't have healthy relationships. It's it's hard to like come to a a conversation and disagree with somebody respectfully. Like immediately when someone's disagreeing with you, I feel like you, you get defensive and you feel like your feelings are invalid. Right. And then it just is like you said before, it's like a paper cut. Right. And if you don't have these conversations about like, I'm not, it's not even about the laundry. It's not about the toothpaste. It's not about the dishes. It's about me saying this really bothers me. It's one thing in our space that I'm always noticing. And the fact that it hasn't been resolved tells me that you don't care. And so like you're saying there's that trust and say something big happens in your relationship. Somebody passes away. If this erosion keeps happening, the crack will turn into a crater. This is like such a lame reference, but like, really, I feel like if it's, it's, if it just keeps going and the crack is already there and you don't have that safety net underneath, like you guys are all, you're jumping off. Like there is nothing there for you. Whereas if you have these conversations throughout, and like you said, you can fail as long as you have something in place that has like a plan to say, okay, well, next time this happens, like I need you to be more aware. Ryan isn't purposely not doing the laundry. His intent, and I think that's at the core of it, his intent is not to be disrespectful to me. He's not intently being like, fuck this laundry. He is like just not seeing it. And so we, I, I've given him, and you give me with shit that we do, we give each other these, these passes because we know that at the core of our relationship is respect and trust. I know that he's not doing it purposely, but those, those things are hard to get. So speaking of your book (laughs) titled, not my new book, your book is called, um, and this is how your marriage ends, right? Yes. Which I think is like such a badass title because it's a little bit of a clickbait. People are like, wait, what? And then they want to know more. So my question for you is, 
did you take a lot of your own personal experience from your divorce and your, your relationship and, and like throw it all into this book? Was it therapeutic? Was it hard for you to do? Not, not incredibly. So today as at the time of this recording is day two of the book being out in the world. Wow. And so there's a bunch of people I know personally that are going to learn things about me mm. that I don't love, like, that's a little like, eh. but yeah, I've had a lot of practice. It's been about nine years. And the story that I tell is I felt so bad when my marriage ended, like so bad that I wasn't afraid of anything for the first time in my life. I had a solid like 12 to 18 months of just full fledged. I don't know if courage is the right word. It was like nothing mattered. Mm. So I don't have to be afraid of judgment. And so I could just write like fearlessly. And I had a lot of practice telling these stories. And I got a lot of positive feedback of the value sharing these stories was having on people who were saying, oh my gosh, this is exactly what goes on in our lives too. And that's just an incredibly valuable experience for a lot of people. And I I experience the same thing when Mm -hmm. I hear a, a song or see a film or read a book that I connect act with on that deeply personal way. I'm like, that person gets me. Um, And that's always, I just think like a really good feeling. And I hope that this book can deliver that for people. But you asked if it was difficult. It's, it's sort of like retroactively difficult for the people I know personally, right? But for just person out there, I've had a lot of practice with it now. And it began during like a dead end feeling time where I was a little numb. So I, I don't know, I write it like psychologically eased into it. Mm -hmm. So when you're at the very beginning of this podcast, you'd, you'd put some big words in it, like not taking any responsibility, not taking any ownership, making it a, a, an issue about her telling this, you know, reoccurring story of why your marriage didn't work out. Uh, well, now you coach people on it and now you talk about personal responsibilities and the fact that you are even having those conversations, one would assert that you discovered the uh, true meaning of being responsible in this situation. So along this journey, when you're, when you're, you're gutted, when things aren't going really well, how did you come out of making it about uh, making her wrong and then turning it into actually really discovering what there was for you? Because it's hard to coach people if you're still in that space and you're coaching people and have been doing it for so for some time now. How'd you get there? How did you discover what this was actually about? Well, I, I, I think that it didn't take me too long as a divorced guy to come to the conclusion. I, I started dabbling. I've always been a believer philosophically in personal responsibility, but when things feel really bad and you're blaming other people for your pains and your problems, you're not practicing necessarily what you believe. But so anyway, it was easy for me to embrace. I want to be the kind of person who's personally responsible. Um, I started reading books. I started writing these stories. I started having conversations with people and, and diving into people that were a lot smarter than I was, a lot wiser and more knowledgeable about relationship things. And I'm, I'm pulling like little threads from a thousand places. And it creates this mosaic that shows me like a reflection of like all of my shortcomings in the relationship. And what I've ultimately settled on is my wife certainly did some things, my ex-wife, I should say. I say my wife when I'm telling past tense stories mm-hmm. and I say my ex-wife when I'm talking in the present tense. She did things that upset me that I don't necessarily calculate to be great for relationships. But I don't believe there's a very long list of things that I didn't like that she would have done had I 
been perpetually considerate and perpetually validating Mm -hmm. of her experiences. What I didn't like was her criticizing me, was her finding new things to complain about and being mad at me when I quote unquote did nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. That was the problem. You know, Ryan, you and I are talking about this idea that it's like, how can I be blamed for this thing that never even occurred to me? And I just, I want to just reemphasize, I don't think the activity that you did or didn't do is bad. I just think we have to like calculate for the emotional experience someone else can have. Like we can do benign things that another human can experience in an adverse way. And I, I learned how to take responsibility for that. Cause to me, that's the answer to the question of how good people can inadvertently contribute to the erosion of trust in their relationship. And it's just, it's just my story. The difference was I took no responsibility for it while I was doing it. Mm. And I kept waiting for her to magically stop feeling bad about stuff. And now I'm in favor of taking radical personal responsibility. And then let's measure how our partners show up when we have taken it, when we've made it our problem, so to speak, or our responsibility to, to be mindful of how what we do or don't do might roll downhill and impact them. And when we're accepting responsibility for that and like sort of predicting like a harmful moment they might experience and protecting them from it by not doing it, by not leaving the dish or the laundry or the toilet seat up or whatever, or something larger and more, more dramatic, potentially. I don't know. I think that's the difference between people who can have really healthy relationships for a long time or people who are likely to have a lot of conflict and, or, you know, potentially have their relationships at the divorce it comes down to communication too not only like with your spouse but both with your spouse but within yourself like if you aren't able to recognize these things like you're not going to go anywhere what's the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result it's it applies to so many relationships um i want to kind of talk about this one thing that you had said Uh, you talk about these relationship damaging habits and there are two of them that you say are invisible to a lot of people that don't even realize that they're doing them. Can you share those things so that we can make sure that we're not doing them? them? So we can see them. (laughs) Yeah. In my coaching work, the two habits, and I like to talk about them as habits because I don't want the guys that I'm working with to feel judged. I I don't believe it's some character defect. Mm -hmm. I believe everything's fine and almost everybody likes you and thinks you're great and wants to be friends with you. I just think the accidental or inadvertent math result of these habits can inadvertently damage our relationship, very specifically our relationship. And so that's the thing I'm encouraging a client to accept responsibility for. Habit one is validation. And so I go through this little spiel, this thing that I've called the invalidation triple threat. And I believe there are three ways we habitually invalidate people. Not on per- It's not the intent to invalidate, right. but the experience they have is invalidation after we do it. And so how it looked in my marriage was my wife would come to me and say, Matt, something's wrong. You know, this thing happened. I feel bad about it. And version one of invalidating my wife habitually was to disagree with what my wife said happened. Hmm. I'd be like, wait, th- that's not what happened. And then the premise of like my retort is that she shouldn't feel what she feels because it's based on something I don't agree happened as she thinks it did. Version one. Version two. Been there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> everybody does this. Yeah. Version two, my wife walks in the room and says, Matt, this bad thing happened. I feel bad about it. Now, this time, intellectually, I'm, I'm with her. I agree this thing happened exactly as she says it did. 
But now I'm confused about her feelings about it. Now I'm judging her emotional reaction to be inappropriate or unfair. And, and so I say so. I'm like, that happened, but why are you making such a big deal out of it? Mm. You know, here's a more healthy or more normal, you know, reaction. F- you know, feel like I do and, you know, it'll be better. And, you know, that's what I used to say to her, things more or less like that. The third way we habitually invalidate, it's the one that I think causes the most damage, frankly, is my wife would come in there and say, Matt, this bad thing happened. You did this thing and, and I, you know, it hurt. I'm upset or angry. I'm embarrassed or whatever. And then it's defensiveness. It's explanation. It's justification. It's weight. If you understand like what my intentions were and what I thought to be true at the time, you, you won't be mad at me anymore. Hmm. But what happens when we're defensive is we're invalidating the emotional experience they have. But I think even worse is we're implying that we're going to do it again. Mm-hmm. My wife says, hey, Matt, this thing happened. I'm, I'm currently feeling pain by it. I do nothing to demonstrate any sort of like remorse or compassion or empathy about the negative experience she's having. And moreover, I double down and say, it was really smart for me to do it this way. Let me explain why. And I think it's reasonable for her to take from that. Matt not only doesn't give a shit about how I feel, but he's implying that he will do this exact Mm. thing that just hurt me tomorrow, next week, next month, and next year. And that's the recipe for not trusting that my relationship's going to be healthy into the future mm-hmm. because this only projects to get more painful as these incidents pile up over time. And so I think when we focus on our intentions, it results in us feeling defensive, mm-hmm. which is why I really want guys to not, not get hung up on this like idea of having to protect their character, protect their reputation or anything. You're not bad. You didn't even necessarily do a bad thing. It's not, not, I'm so sorry I did this horrible thing to hurt you. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm so sorry that you were hurt by something that I wasn't paying attention to. Mm -hmm. I need to understand this because this won't happen again. Because you need to be able to trust me that I'm not going to allow you to experience the same awful thing in the future because I was too comfortable or I was too lazy or I was too thoughtless to like consider how this was going to impact you. Yeah. That I just if we eliminate this idea of intention from from how we're thinking about it, I like to think about like the other side of the equal sign. It's not what I tried to do. It's what mathematically happens after I did it. Right. What they experience ha- often has nothing to do with what I attempted. Mm-hmm. And I want to accept responsibility for what she experienced rather than get so hung up on what my intentions were. Yeah. And so I have this conversation with clients all the time. And a lot of guys will say, Matt, I, I get it what you're saying, but I don't get like what to do. Right. Because it sounds like you're advocating agreeing with your wife all the time. And the very problem I'm having here is I do this thing where I invalidate her when I don't agree with her. Right. And it's a very honest reaction. So what do you want from me? And I'm like, I completely get it. Please don't agree with your wife when you don't agree with her. But please also don't confuse or conflate the notion of agreement and validation. They're not the same. Yeah. And they're like, they still sound like the same. And I'm like, well, here's a thought exercise. Here's the one that I used personally to overcome my nasty habit of invalidating people I love and care about. Today, my son's 13, but he used to be four. And when he was four, he was a threat to wake up crying at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, because he was afraid mm-hmm. of something. I'm inventing this scenario, but it's totally plausible that he could have woke up in the middle of the night, afraid of a monster hiding under his bed. And so I'm doing whatever I'm doing. I'm either asleep or watching Monday night football or whatever. And I hear my son crying and I run up to check on him. 
I open the door and I survey the scene and I discover very quickly in a few seconds, he's freaking out and he's upset because he thinks there's a monster under the bed. Mm -hmm. And then this idea of like problem solving and fixing it that we do kicks in. And if I'm operating on my default setting, if I'm operating mm -hmm. on how I was 10 years ago in my relationships, my inclination is to be like, dude, there isn't a monster under the bed. Yeah. The actual reason you're crying right now and you feel the bad thing you feel isn't real. And if you come to believe and understand there isn't a monster under the bed, you don't have to feel this way anymore. Problem solved. And if I'm not my best self and I'm in some hurry to get back to bed or to go watch football again, I might say, buddy, toughen up. Big boys don't cry. Everything's fine. Go back to sleep. You're okay. Mm -hmm. And I might leave. And I'd like to, the record to show I'm technically correct. There wasn't a monster under the bed. <laughs> I love my son more than anybody. He is my favorite human. And intentionally, I would never, ever, ever try to hurt him on purpose. But the math result of how I just showed up in that scenario is my son is alone in the dark, crying, still afraid. Like nothing got better right. for him. And right. not only that, he learned that when he recruits dad to try to help him and dad doesn't think the scary thing or the painful thing has merit, dad abandons me literally mm. or metaphorically to cry alone in the dark after applying that I'm weak or stupid or crazy. And so now I don't trust dad as much. I'm not, if this is how dad always shows up when life's hard, dad's not invited to the mm. conversations about being offered drugs, about being bullied, about problems with friends or romantic relationships or whatever might be going on in their lives. And as a father, I really hope that my son trusts me to like include him in his life. And so what's the alternative? Yeah. And I hopefully the metaphor with our adult relationships yes. is obvious. The alternative and the person I want to be today is I want to open that door and I want to go in and I find out he's afraid of a monster under the bed that I don't believe is there. But I want to hug my son and I want to say, buddy, I don't think there's a monster under the bed, but I'm so sorry that you're afraid right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think there's a scary monster under the bed, but I've been afraid before. And being afraid is a horrible thing to feel. And I'm so sorry that that's what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Let's turn a light on. Let's look under the bed together. Let's make sure there's no monster there. And then most importantly, I'm going to stay with him until safety is restored in that moment, until he is okay, mm -hmm. until everything's okay. And I think the most important idea is the thing that I would say to him before hopefully he fell back asleep. And that is, buddy, when you're afraid, when life is hard, you can always call mom, you can always call dad. And we're going to show up for you. And we might not be able to fix what's wrong. We might not be able to like magically make the problem mm -hmm. go away, but you never have to feel alone in this battle that, you know, you're fighting or this struggle that you're carrying. And I think that's maybe the most important idea in our romantic relationships is that we don't communicate to the person that we've promised to love and honor all the days of our lives, that the thing they're carrying, battling, Sometimes because we deem it so inconsequential, like a laundry situation mm -hmm. or a dish by the sink. But sometimes it's a lot bigger than that. We don't communicate that you're not alone in this bad thing you're currently experiencing. We invalidate, not because we try to, but because we don't agree that they should think or feel what they think or feel. And then we abandon them, mm -hmm. literally or metaphorically, to maybe cry alone in the dark and to feel alone in the relationship. And that's just a recipe for the slow erosion of trust over time. And, and nobody talks about that idea of sitting alone in the dark with somebody yes. suffering better than Brene Brown. And so I would encourage 
anybody who is not unfamiliar with Brene Brown's work to research it because she's extraordinary. She has a Netflix special and she has like five books and they're all amazing. And they talk about these nuanced ideas of showing up for people in a way where they feel like loved and safe and like you care about them. I feel like I've never, it's wild when you have this idea and it's within the romantic relationship, but then when you put it in a context of your child, it's like your brain rewires and you're like, well, of course I'm not, I, I, I'm going to do that. I want them to feel safe. I want to validate their emotions. I want to meet them at their emotion and say, it's okay. Like I'll be here. What can we do? As soon as you bring all of these ideas and these notions within a parent to child, it, it's for me, it's easier to see that. And then easier for you to validate. Yes, it, it is. And so there's something about like sh- talking about that within a parent and child relationship that I feel like is so amazing that it's easier, not easier, but maybe more clear to see about like your relationship. Like if you were to approach your romantic relationship, the way that you would approach the same situation within a child, I feel like it would just be way easier, but I I've never really like thought about it that way. It's the idea of this gentle parenting, now gentle relationships. And the, and the, and the interesting thing about this, and we've done enough conversations and had, and had enough of these back and forth with professionals to know that so much of our adult brain is still living in our child brain Mm -hmm. pre seven. Yeah. So our understanding of love, intimacy, passion, trust, care, it's all formed from that child brain. So we really are, talking to a child when we're having these relationships about feelings because truthfully feelings aren't real they're experiences and so we're talking to a child who's reoccurring an experience over and over and over again and how they relate to that feeling is how they related to that feeling when it first happened to them so we are we like our relationships are really about dumbing it down to the level of a five-year-old when there's a monster under his bed and validating it without belittling them and talking mm. to them like they're five-year-olds. True. I can see how that would be effective communication, mm-hmm. like far more effective communication. Your yeah. book, uh, so this is the second day that it's out. Is that what you said? Like the first, okay. Um, really quickly, we're going to wrap it up. But first, I just want to know who do you feel like your book, your book would be suitable for? Is it somebody or maybe all of them? Is it somebody who's just starting out in a relationship who's been in the seven year itch or maybe is about to end? Like, do you feel like there is something for everyone in this book, depending on where you are in a relationship? I've learned to not apply my beliefs to other people. I, I, I have evidence that it doesn't necessarily land with people that are say like 19 or 20. Mm. I Makes read, sense. I read a review from a very young woman who, who didn't think it was particularly useful prescriptive advice. And um, my inclination was to get really defensive about that, but I've had 24 or so hours to think about it. And yeah. I'm open to the idea that the experiences of 41, 42, 43 year old me and 20 year old you know, female and her stage of life. Yeah. They're just not the same. So, I mean, it's possible that, you know, a certain amount of life experience, a certain amount of heartache Mm -hmm. within relationships. I believe these are invisible. These things that, that erode trust in our relationships. I I don't know a better way to talk about them. They're, they're not 
just out in the open, super easy to spot. Otherwise we wouldn't have the putrid success rate in marriage that we have if it was so obvious to everyone. Matt, I know that you're pressed for time, but before you go, I have one really quick question. And if you can't answer it quickly, then we'll, we'll have to have you back on. But there's a, there's a segment uh, that you mentioned that you talk about when it, and it comes to, if you think she's your mother, she's probably not going to sleep with you uh, or something along those lines. I know I'm, I'm putting my own words around it. She Can feels you like qu- your mom and doesn't want to bang you. Yeah. 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 Can you quickly touch base on that for the, the male listeners that are on this, that on this podcast? And then we can wrap it up. I know you got to yeah, leave. Well, so. I, I think the really quick way to say it is often in our relationships. And I think that that men are certainly uh, obviously in terms of like, the way that we're talking about this are guilty of thoughtlessly forcing our wives or girlfriends into a position of doing things for us that our, that our mom did. It can show up as house cleaning, laundry, remembering our appointments, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of like little things like that. Just stuff mom did when we were growing up. It's not going to be true for everyone. It's just going to be true for a lot of people. And I think that the, the quickest way to talk about it is when you, opt out of shared domestic responsibilities. And by doing so, sort of mathematically force your wife into roles that your mother did for you. A a certain mother-child vibe will inevitably develop over time, especially, I think, when she has other children and she realizes, holy shit, I'm doing the same things for my husband as I'm doing for my children. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of resentment and a lot of unsexy time feelings sort of manifest when that occurs. <laughs> I'm glad you answered that. Where can people find your book? Find your book, find you. How do they get access yes. to you and your content? Um, you can matthewfray.com, two T's, um, is, is sort of my, my home base on the internet. As far as I know, This Is How Your Marriage Ends is available in, in virtually every, you know, every place books are sold. It's amazing. Um, and and certainly every place online, you know, where books are sold. I think most of us have books delivered, sadly, because it's so nice going to bookstores. Uh, so um, true. But um, I don't know. If I may toss in this one idea. Please toss do. away. Let's please be mindful of how how disrespectful it is that when a guy says something that women have been saying to us for years, that we hear it in a way that we tuned out our female partners. I, I just really want to be, I, I'm, I regret so much that mm-hmm. my wife experienced that. And so many of the women in the lives of my male clients experienced that. Mm-hmm. They've been saying the same thing for 10, 15 years. And then I say it and he's like, I get it now. And I feel awful for the wives that have been advocating for themselves all this time, only to be, to feel ignored, even if it wasn't mm-hmm. literally intentionally ignoring. So well, we're here, anyway, we're here for them. Listen. We're here for them. And hopefully they hear this before they're sitting in your chair uh, <laughs> and having this conversation. So sure. you're absolutely right. I appreciate it. Have yeah. a fantastic. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for this. Thank, Thank you. everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of The Therapy Group, and hosts of The Shrink Chicks Podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, 
family dynamics, relationships, and burnout, making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the cycle babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.